Welcome, welcome, welcome everyone to Sister Wives with Mary Jane Kay. Today, I'll be giving my commentary on Sister Wives Season 3, Episode 11, Cody Climbs into the Ring. The episode opens at 6 a.m. as Mary is working out. It's now been two months since the wives began working out with Bill and it's a month after their last check-in. Mary is stressed with the move and the investigation and life in general and she doesn't know what to do with it. And Cody admits that Mary probably deals with anger and she doesn't want to express her anger, so she doesn't. And then her anger leaks out all over her. Now, we know clearly Mary has anger issues and that she was very overbearing and controlling with Janelle when Janelle first joined the family. Mary used to slam doors in the house in Lehigh when she was angry and it would scare the kids and that's how they knew Mary was angry. There was also the incident where Mary went way too far with disciplining Christine's kids specifically and Christine felt her kids were being targeted by Mary and we saw the episode where Mary took it upon herself to discipline all of the kids and scold them on camera before consulting the other moms who were present when the incident involved Aurora and Peyton alone, I believe. Mary seemed to overreact with how she spoke to the group of kids, and Janelle and Christine weren't happy with Mary taking over, and Mary was unhappy with the lack of support from Janelle and Christine. So Mary's solution to her anger problem seems to be holding it in until she explodes, and Cody is admitting that she gets angry, she doesn't express it, and then it creates a mess leaking out all over the place, probably in a lot of passive-aggressive ways. Let's also not forget that Mary is the one in mergers and acquisitions, and she and Cody shared the secret of Robin for a time when their relationship was rocky and it was struggling, and it brought Cody and Mary closer to have that secret of Robin that was kept from Christine and Janelle for a time. And now Mary is struggling with the stress of not being in control and of not having security and not having anything sure to cling to. Mary lives in the home farthest away from the other three wives and she also has an almost grown child. And Cody was disengaged from her as a husband at this point. So Mary didn't have a huge role in the family since she wasn't raising kids with the other wives. If Mary didn't bring Robin into the picture, they may not have been in this place in the first place. But Mary liked having that secret with Cody that would bond them and improve their relationship. And it may have put her marriage to Cody on life support, but it was only very temporarily. But look at the repercussions of that and how the cookie crumbled long term. Mary says that Bill is really trying to help her let go of her stress at the gym through working out. Christine is getting everyone ready for school. We learn that Janelle does yoga every morning before she goes to work. It balances her and it helps her focus. I have to say, I really, really, really admire Janelle's dedication a great deal. Working out is hard when you aren't adjusted to it, when you aren't in shape, and it's the last thing on your list you want to do. And Janelle makes this a priority, and her work ethic is transferred to this goal of her fitness, even though it's hard for her. 
And it shows how strong Janelle is, how determined, how dedicated. And I really admire Janelle's drive. Janelle is a very motivated person. And that quality is priceless. And it's something that's hard to cultivate in yourself, to be motivated, to be driven. So it's amazing that Janelle has that quality of being driven. Later today, the wives have a 60-day weigh-in. And Janelle hates these weigh-ins because she knows that she feels so much more results. She feels a difference in her body and what she's able to do. And she knows she feels so much more improvement than what the scale will show. When you work out, you're gaining a lot of muscle, even though you deplete fat. So even though the number on the scale may not change drastically or it might even stay the same, it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean nothing is happening. It doesn't mean that nothing is changing. Janelle may not see a number on her scale that is significantly lower, but she notices the difference in what she is able to do physically, and she sees the drastic difference in her body in the mirror. So the number on the scale means nothing, and I think that that's very important to remember. Robin's best customer arrives, and she greets him with a, hey babe, and she is due in over just a month. It's time to buy Saul's room furniture, like a crib and a changing table and nursery stuff to make Saul's room homey. Robin says, right now she just feels like the car Solomon is driving. Robin has extra space at her house and she was looking at this room when looking for a home and she wants to fill the room with baby stuff and when she bought this house, she knew this room would be a nursery. So right now it's a storage room with a few plastic tubs on the floor and by the end of the episode, it's a nursery. A nursery that kind of looks like it's decorated to be the lobby of a Florida nursing home. The only thing with any color is the mobile on top of the crib. There are pictures that look like they're from Marshalls that are like gold and dark brown of like a palm tree and like a lion, but it's all like brown and like sienna and gold, like very dark. But he feels that having the baby room, he can come in and sit down with the baby boy. He can rock him to sleep. And at this point, Robin reminds Cody, it's not just for him, it's not just for her. It's also for the other kids and wives to use to be with Saul as well. She gives Cody a look and then Cody says, the room is for everybody. It's not just for him. It's not just for Robin. Robin and Cody are getting the other wives and they're going to go look for baby furniture with sales guy Theo at the same consignment shop they got their furniture from. Cody explains that Theo is the man. He has design experience. He knows how to lay out a bedroom. He knows how to lay out a living room. Theo is a huge help. Robin shows off what she terms her basketball and Theo shows off his basketball, and they compare bumps. Robin has Theo beat. She's looking for a rocker recliner and a tall set of drawers. And Cody says he's going to be rocking the baby to sleep in this recliner, and he's not going to want to get up after. So Theo shows off a rocker recliner that Robin loves, and Theo wonders if everyone in the family gets involved with taking care of the baby. And he thinks that's a cool advantage of the lifestyle, so all of the wives try out the rocker recliner as well. Robin wants the whole family to feel like this is their space to come in and spend their time with Solomon because Solomon is everybody's baby. 
Theo asks how many kids the Browns have, and right now they have 17. And so Cody has lots of experience, of course. Theo has the perfect drawers to show Robin. They even have cute little basketball handles, and it's perfect. Theo has more tricks up his sleeve. He has the perfect changing table to match the drawers. Cody loves it. Robin loves it. Mary thinks Robin got very lucky when she went shopping because she got the stuff she wanted in the color she hoped for and everything matched. And Mary feels that it'll be perfect. Everyone keeps using this word perfect, perfect, perfect. It's been 60 days since the wives started working out. Today is weigh-in day and obviously the wives hate it. Christine describes it as a black day and she points to the scale and she tells Bill that the scale has a dark aura around it that she can sense. Mary thinks that Janelle has probably lost more weight and Janelle wants to go first to be weighed in this time. And Christine wanted to be first so that it would be over and done with. Christine points out how dedicated Janelle was in this process. Janelle will call her having already been to the gym at 7 a.m. as she is still crawling out of bed. Janelle's 60-day fitness goal was to lose 40 pounds, but she weighed herself yesterday to prepare for what to expect. And we learned Janelle now weighs 262 pounds and she has lost 10 pounds in 60 days. Bill wants to explain the numbers, but Christine doesn't want to hear it. He just wants her number to be lower than what it was on the scale and she wants to reach her goal. Christine lost four pounds and she feels like a loser because she didn't lose. She didn't reach her goal. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mary was the same weight as last month and it made her feel discouraged because she hasn't had as much improvement as she wanted. Bill says Mary is the same weight, but Janelle lost and Christine lost. And Bill asks if they can both look in the mirror and see a visual difference in their bodies. And Janelle agrees. She sees a dramatic difference in her body. Christine sees a difference too, but she isn't happy with her body or with her results. Christine still wants to lose weight and she isn't thrilled with what the scale says. Bill says it falls back on her and he says he isn't trying to glorify Janelle, but he asks how much activity she was doing outside of the gym and her sessions with him every day when she wasn't with Bill. And Janelle says she did at least an hour a day and of course it shows. Harry admits that Janelle is doing a lot more. Bill asks Christine 
how much she did outside of her workouts with him. And Christine admits she hasn't been committed enough. She hasn't been working out outside of Bill. Christine was discouraged at the 30-day check-in, and instead of being empowered by the news, she gave up because she felt she didn't lose enough weight the last time. Bill explains to Christine that if she wants to lose 20 pounds, that's the goal, but it's not about that. It's not about four pounds. It's not about that. It's not about, I feel better in my clothes. And he explains, he understands our goals are our goals. And Janelle is beginning to understand how much work this will be. Mary tells Bill that they all made steps and improvements. And Bill says, it's not good enough. Mary says that it's very hard for her to go to the gym and prioritize that she is important to herself, but she needs to take care of herself, and she says it's hard for her to do. When Mary says, me is important to me, and it's hard for me to prioritize myself and realize I need to take care of myself, I think Mary really feels very low self-worth or like she doesn't matter, and she prioritizes her kid or the family or the stress, knowing she isn't happy in her life, she isn't happy with herself, and she isn't taking care of herself because she doesn't feel like she matters or like she is worth it, and so she doesn't try or she puts off trying, she makes up excuses. Janelle has more work cut out for her, but we see Janelle try and she pushes herself. At her core, Janelle believes in herself. I think it's sad that Mary's whole identity is the family and the lifestyle, and it seems like a part of that is to deflect and to avoid figuring out who she is and to avoid putting the work into herself and into loving herself and into what would make her happy because it seems like all of Mary's anger and resentment and need for control comes from her not liking herself or her not being happy in her life. Bill asks the wives what it will take and what they will have to tell themselves to continue on. What is it in each of them that will make them take the next step forward? He asks if Christine thinks she can find it, and Christine says yes. When she works with Bill, it kills her, and she needs that to count for something. Bill asks Christine if she thinks she can push herself, and she says yes. Bill says now they know how hard it is to push themselves to get into the gym and to get results. Janelle says it might be one of the hardest things she has ever done. Bill asks if it's worth it and Janelle says yes. Bill wants to know what would make Janelle continue on and she wants quality of life. And Bill asks her how important are those pounds? And Janelle says the pounds are important to her because she will catch the sight of herself in a picture and think, oh, do I really look like that? And Janelle says she ignored how she looked for so long. She doesn't look in mirrors. She doesn't look in car windows as she goes by. And Janelle says she wants to be able to look at herself in the mirror and be at peace with that person in the mirror. Janelle has lost a ton of weight over the years, and I think she was beautiful then And I think she's beautiful now. I think she's smart. She's ambitious. She's a strong will and a strong work ethic. She's very intelligent. And she deserves the peace to be comfortable in her skin. Everyone deserves that peace to be comfortable in their skin, to be happy with themselves. And I can say all day long, your outside package is meaningless. We turn to dust. We don't take our bodies with us. 
and the only thing certain in life is death and the only thing that remains of us is our energy. So the inside and your vibe and your energy is what you should work on, not the package your energy comes packaged in. But when we live in a society that focuses on the superficial, which inevitably fades to dust, you can see why so many people struggle with the package they come in and superficial things. Your time in your life is your most precious commodity. So why spend it overly worrying about what your wrapping looks like? All it turns to in the end is dust. Your health is imperative. It's nice to like the way you look, but what you look like ultimately is no reflection at all of the energy you are. And that's the only thing that we all keep. Life's too short to put too much emphasis or time into your looks or feeling bad about the way you look. It's a meaningless endeavor to focus on superficial things. You should worry about your health, but it really shouldn't matter what you look like. Your looks will end up as dust. It's better to focus your energy on improving what's inside, but these are just my thoughts. Cody explains that since his wives went out last month, this time it's his turn and he is getting together with buddies to have fun. He and Robin are expecting a baby soon and the family is also trying to build a new business. They have worries about homes and Cody is constantly going all over the place between four homes. So there are lots of pressures in life for Cody. So Cody is going out with his friends to lighten things up for a guy's night. Cody invited Jeff, a friend of his and his faith. Cody also invited Bill, his wife's trainer and their new business partner. And Cody also invited Sean, a new Vegas friend. Sean's brother is training in mixed martial arts, MMA, and the guys are checking the gym out. Mixed martial arts is mixing boxing and all kinds of martial arts with wrestling and grappling. Cody, the alpha male, is looking forward to it. He says he's looking forward to smelling the smell of testosterone, sweat, and combat. He is looking forward to this. As we all know, he's an alpha male. He loves testosterone. The way Cody tries to show his excitement for doing man stuff is so cringe. You can tell he's really reaching to try and look like a man's man. And it looks very awkward the way he's being very theatrical about the testosterone and the sweat and the combat. Over at Robbins, she explains that they dropped off the furniture and it looks much bigger in the house. It's weird, she says, how much bigger the furniture looks. And she doesn't seem 100% thrilled, but she points out at least the furniture matches the carpets. The wives assemble stuff, and Christine mentions that she doesn't know who is more excited about Solomon being born, if she's more excited or if her kids are more excited. The sister wives and Robin are arranging the room, and it's going to be perfect. Cody explains that when you get together with the guys, you go out and you do things you wouldn't do with your wives. He says his wives don't want to go watch MMA stuff, so Cody getting to go is kind of a big deal because he gets to do man stuff. Grr, MMA. He's an alpha male, you know. An alpha male. This is different than what Cody would ever do with a wife, he says. It's man stuff. Two guys are sparring at the gym, and Cody says... Being a wrestler himself, this is neat stuff to him. Neat is the word a grandma would use, so it's weird to hear MMA being described as neat. He's an alpha male. Grr, this is neat. Cody tells his friend's brother, the MMA fighter, 
that he was a two-time state champion in wrestling back in his day. Kevin, the MMA guy, says the key to any successful mixed martial artist is to have a well-rounded game. So he is teaching Cody some stand-up since all Cody knows is wrestling. Cody is going in the ring barefoot and he lets everyone know he's 210. He weighs 210. Kevin brings Cody into the cage. He's teaching him punching style and how to protect himself. Kevin isn't connecting his punches. He's going really easy on Cody. Kevin is having Cody punch him in the chest. And Cody says, you can tell Kevin is solid as a rock. Cody is really enjoying this. Cody and Kevin spar a little bit. Bill is filming it and he's smiling like he wants to laugh the whole time. It looks like a kid messing about with a professional who is going way easy on him, letting the kid have a field day. After Kevin teaches Cody the one-two, he now wants to teach him how to use the one-two to set up a takedown. Cody hears that Kevin has a really good takedown defense, but Cody lets viewers know that he had the school record for takedowns back in high school. He was a star athlete. So Cody thinks it's going to be fun to see if he can take Kevin down and if Kevin, the MMA guy, can defend it. Now, if Cody can take Kevin down, and that's a big if, we all know it's because Kevin, the MMA guy, let Cody do it. Judging by how he is teaching Cody with kid gloves. High school was decades ago, but Cody brags. He lets viewers know he is at the Olympic gold level of wrestling. He has the record in his high school for takedowns. He was the it guy back in high school for takedowns. But Cody, pushing 50, thinks he still has it. Cody says when you're hanging out with good guys and you see a scantily clad woman, a gentleman will always do this as he covers his eyes looking away. Cody admits Kevin let him take him down because Kevin has a great takedown defense. Cody says Kevin went easy on him, but he doesn't know if in real life he could take Kevin down. I doubt it. Cody really enjoys wrestling with Kevin a lot. Man time, grr. Cody admits Kevin was a superior opponent. After wrestling, the guys drive to Hofbra House for dinner. And Cody says the Vegas Strip has been like a mecca to him. All the lights and the glitz, it's fun to see. But it's not his style to get into the gambling and the wildlife or the drinking. Getting smashed is not what Cody is interested in. Cody says the strip has salacious dressing and when you hang with good guys and you see a slut, a gentleman covers his eyes, but a guy will still look between his fingers. So Cody says it's not culturally where he wants to be. It isn't his style to do a typical guys night out in Vegas. Cody mentions that he's starving and Bill points out that Cody should be starving since he got knocked on his back. Cody admits it's a good thing Kevin wasn't punching. Bill laughs and reiterates, I know. I think Bill thinks Cody is a total tool. When he was filming Cody sparring, he was about to bust out laughing the whole time. It really looked like an enthusiastic kid on a field trip play fighting with a professional and Cody was eating it up. 
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Cody explains that anytime he is with friends who aren't of his faith, they naturally have questions about his lifestyle and about having four wives. So it wasn't unnatural for Bill and Sean to wonder about certain things and to have questions. Bill asks if there is a divorce rate and Cody says, yeah. And as we know, Cody would know a lot about that polygamist divorce rate. He only has one wife left. He rid himself of his obstacles to his goals in life as he deemed his other wives and kids in recent seasons. Cody explains there is a divorce rate and he says Robin was married to a guy that was in their church and he never was what Robin would qualify as a guy who should be married to more than one woman because it's a challenging lifestyle. It's interesting how the first guy Robin was married to was this evil, evil man who stole her purity that she consensually gave and she later blamed him for taking that purity. The first guy she married, Robin felt, was not up to snuff to take on more wives. And she married Cody as the fourth wife, the last wife, because she wanted polygamy despite batting away a boatload of offers from monogamous men. Yet now, Robin has Cody all to herself as Cody intentionally drove his wives away. Did Robin really want polygamy? Did she really want sister wives? Or did she really want a man she could easily manipulate who she is now stuck with? In a monogamous marriage that she claims she never wanted, that she did not sign up for, Because let's remember, she batted away those monogamous men who waited in line around the block to be the one to marry her. So Robin's first husband wasn't good enough to have more than one wife. And Cody started off with three wives and he married Robin. And now he's lost all three original wives. So I guess Cody also did not qualify to cater to anyone but Robin. Didn't Robin once say she thought her picker was broken? Cody's friend says he would think polygamy was more of a support system, though, whereas if you're in a singular marriage, monogamy, the wives don't have anyone to speak to, and then the woman just keeps it all in. Cody says he had wives who were counseling each other in their relationship with him, and Cody says it's pretty cool. Yes, the sisterhood is pretty cool for Cody, until one wife leaves you and the other wife refuses to alienate her sister wife. And then it's a problem. Then that support system is a betrayal for Cody, like with Janelle and Christine. Cody thinks it's a different world. It's the guys or being with a woman. It's a different experience. So Cody says, ask whatever you want, but don't ask about sex. Sex is off limits. It's okay to sleep with four women and have them all share one dick. It's okay to have kids with four women who share him on a rotating basis. That's okay, but it's not okay to talk about sex, guys. 
Sex is off limits, people. And let's not call it sex. Let's call it intimacy so it's easier for everyone to swallow. Bill points out that he has been working with Christine, Mary, and Janelle, not so much with Robin, but Bill says Cody's wives all have such different personalities. They are so diverse. So Bill wonders how Cody adapts. Cody says it's in a guy's nature to compartmentalize. So in relationships, that's what he does. He has an individual relationship with each wife and he doesn't see it as any different than monogamy or any other relationship. Bill asks Cody if Christine razzes him as much as she does him. And Cody doesn't doubt that Christine thinks Bill is cute and he says Christine is a shameless flirt. Cody says in the world of relationships and business, you develop friendships It's natural. They know the boundaries and they understand relationships and they know those boundaries. I get the feeling that Bill isn't too crazy about Cody. I think he likes the wives and he tolerates Cody, but Bill seriously looks like he's about to bust out laughing when filming Cody play fight with the MMA fighter. And at dinner, Bill reminds Cody he lost and it was a good thing the MMA fighter wasn't seriously punching him. I think Bill kind of gets that Cody is a loser and that the wives go through a lot of this because of their situation. They have a lot of stress. And he probably knows it has to do somewhat with the way Cody is. Bill seems to get people and emotions a lot more than Cody does. And he seems to be a lot more self-aware than Cody. I think Bill tolerates Cody and Cody likes Bill a lot. One friend asks Cody if he ever finds himself eager to spend a day with one wife or do an activity with one wife more than the others. He asks if Cody wakes up in the morning dreading it, thinking, oh man, I got to go to this house today, since that's human nature. Cody says that is the trouble he has with the way the homes are right now, living in four separate homes. It's not the four separate homes. Even in Lehigh in the one big house, Cody preferred spending time with Robin even before he married Robin when they were courting. Cody would spend long weekends away even though Christine didn't approve. It has nothing to do with the four separate homes at this point. By this time in Vegas, Christine already said that Cody spent most of his time and energy with Robin and meeting her needs around the time of Vegas. And he did that because that's where he wanted to be. He saw going anywhere else as an obligation to fulfill, a chore. He phoned it in, just going through the motions. It has nothing to do with Vegas or the four separate homes. Cody knows he prefers being with Robin and he would be with her every day, all the time if he could. Cody evades the question. He deflects. He doesn't admit that he is primarily at Robin's. He prefers Robin's. Instead, he goes off about four homes making it difficult for him. Cody answers Sean's question of if he prefers one wife over the other, and the answer he gives is no. He always enjoys being at home wherever he is at. Cody explains that the hard part is leaving a home. He explains to Sean that it's a huge catch-22 because here he is every single day of his life, unless he doubles up nights or he changes things in the rotation, 
And Sean asks about doubling up nights. Like, what does Cody mean by that? Cody explains sometimes he will do two nights and two nights instead of rotating every night. And Cody explains it's not two women in the same night. No kinky stuff, he says. They don't go weird. Cody explains he usually rotates nights. And Cody says it was good to hang out and have fun with friends. Back at Robin's house the next day, Robin explains that she didn't know for sure if she would have more kids, but she always wanted more. She stopped on purpose in her previous marriage and she gave all of her baby stuff away because she was done. And then she met the Browns and she thought she was done. She thought she would be a single working mom and she would take a break and God had a different plan for her, that she would meet her her best customer, ka-ching, ka-ching. Robin doesn't know if Solomon is the last kid or not. Obviously not. They had Ari. And we know Robin had a dream about a boy, another child. And she asked Cody about having another child and he wasn't too excited about it. We know Robin admitted that she meets her babies in visions before they are born. So who knows if that dream with that baby boy will manifest one day. Cody and Robin have said that Ari is their last, but really, who knows? Cody gets to Robin's house. Robin is going through baby clothes, like a Harley Davidson onesie that's as wild child. Cody asks if Robin really wants to call their boy a wild child, and Robin points out that he is already a brown. Yes, because Cody, her best customer, is so wild. Robin shows Cody the baby room, and Cody likes it. It's jungle-themed. There's a picture of the ultrasound that's framed. And Cody points out, this is the first time Robin has ever had a special baby room, also called a nursery, but Cody and Robin don't call it a nursery. They call it a baby room or a special baby room. It doesn't really look like a nursery. It's cream and dark brown. There are framed pictures from marshals of jungle animals and palm trees in dark brown and beige and gold. It really looks like a Florida nursing home lobby, not a nursery for a newborn. Cody points out that it's the first time Robin ever had a special baby anything because he is her white knight saving her, her hero, giving Robin things she never ever had before. Cody and Robin always seem to go to great lengths to try and prove that Cody is a hero. Her first husband was shit. He sucked. He couldn't even get her a crib. And look how Cody is bestowing all of this time and energy and support. He's father of the year for her kids and the best, most supportive husband in the world for her as he neglects his other wives and kids. He's acting like with Robin's first husband, she couldn't even get a baby bottle so she had to feed the children from her palm and just put the formula in her palm and slowly feed it to them and use colored paper and string from the tea bags to make a homemade mobile for a crib made of hot glued cardboard with twigs for padding. Robin confirms to Cody that she knows she never ever had a special baby room before or special baby anything. And she says it's surreal to sit there and think he has his own room. Solomon has his own nursery. 
Cody asks Robin if she ever got furniture before like this with her first husband. No, I'm sure they lived in a cave. They made chairs out of old dried logs padded with moss. Robin never had a crib before ever. And Robin says she probably couldn't afford it and they didn't have the space. Well, she spent thousands and thousands of dollars on Victoria's Secret on a credit card. So maybe if instead of spending that money at Victoria's Secret, she bought a crib, she would have one. Robin says she couldn't afford it and they didn't have the space. Wait a minute. Robin's husband came from a prominent church family, a church you have to pay mega bucks to attend. So I find it hard to believe she couldn't go to Target or Walmart and manage to get a crib even on layaway or something. Upon hearing that Robin never had a crib, Cody says, wow. And then he declares that all of his kids get raised in a crib. He's just that kind of guy. His kids have cribs. That's how great he is. No kid goes cribless, not one. But God forbid they need an emergency appendectomy. Then Janelle has to work and take years to pay that off because the health insurance hadn't come through yet at her new job. Janelle paid for her daughter's emergency appendectomy. For Isabel's major surgery, Christine had to start a GoFundMe. But Cody, the hero, Mr. Mom, damn sure gets all of his kids a crib. Not like the lowlife scum Robin married before him. Next, Robin sits in her best customer's lap as Cody feels her baby bump. Robin says it's been wonderful to have such a supportive husband during this whole experience, especially for her. She says it's new for her. It's new for Cody, too, to be this supportive. Robin gets most of Cody's time and attention and support as Cody neglects his other wives and kids. All of this support comes to the detriment of everyone else in the family Cody neglects. Remember when Christine had a high-risk pregnancy with Truly and she had miscarried previously and she still had to raise all the kids during the day and work part-time at night and Cody refused to be there supporting her helping her tuck his kids in so that Aspen wouldn't have to be parentified at 10 years old like she was, Cody couldn't help Christine. He felt like she was asking for more than the other wives got. But Cody doesn't hesitate to give all of his support to Robin to the detriment and neglect of his other wives and kids, neglecting them, giving them less to give Robin more, to give Robin all of this support. So while this is a great experience for Robin, imagine how Christine felt when she was pregnant with Truly, raising all the kids during the day and working part-time at night and Cody couldn't help her. Imagine how supported Christine felt when she asked him not to leave for long weekends to see Robin when she was pregnant, when she reminded Cody not to replace their family with Robin and her kids and he still did so. He ignored Christine's feelings when she was pregnant during a high-risk pregnancy, and he offered her no help and no support. Imagine how supported a pregnant Christine felt when Cody was lovesick, crying about missing his soulmate on his night with her when she had to comfort him so he could manipulate her into accepting a marriage. 
Let's also not forget when Janelle had recently given birth and she suffered from postpartum depression and she had a fight with Mary and Cody was less than supportive. Janelle wrote in Becoming Sister Wives, I also had a particularly nasty fight with Mary, one of the worst we'd ever had. I was at my breaking point. I couldn't see my way out of my depression. I told Cody that I was leaving. That night, I got in the car and drove to my mother's house. The next morning, Cody picked me up to run errands with him. While we were driving, he nonchalantly asked me, so are you better now? His failure to understand how low I was felt like a slap in the face. Part of me wanted to scream and part of me wanted to laugh at his ignorance and his hopefulness that everything had become better overnight. That afternoon, I bundled all the kids into the car and took them to my mom's. I had reached rock bottom. So the level of support Robin got from Cody as her husband is far different from what Janelle and Christine got from Cody as a husband. It seems like even pre-Vegas during the courting phase with Robin, all of Cody's support is consumed solely by one woman, one wife, the favorite wife, and that wife received a different level of support and investment from day one. And it's a level of investment and support the other wives and kids had never seen Cody give to them before or after Robin came into the family. Aiden said in an interview that back in the day, Mary was the favorite wife. And even as the favorite wife, Cody did not show as much investment and attention and support to Mary as he does with Robin when she is the favorite wife. It's another level with Robin no one knew Cody was capable of. Robin says, it looks like they got things prepared for Saul and they have an open invitation to Solomon to come when he likes, but they are inviting him to come as soon as he can as the camera does a close-up of Cody's hand on Robin's baby bump as she is sitting in his lap. Cody gets teary-eyed as Robin caresses his hair and Cody says it's fun and special he never had a kid he did not want. He never had a kid he didn't want. But his other kids are the obstacles to his goals in life along with his wives. That's what he said recently. Payton also said in an interview that Cody is into the kids when they are little and easy and fun. And as they get older and they have feelings and thoughts and criticism and things are harder and they take more effort, Cody pulls away. As soon as the kids become inconvenient for him and he has to make an effort, it's game over. He never had a kid he didn't want, but he can't even remember to recognize all of the days his kids came into this world on their birthdays. And he can't remember the number of years his kids he created have been on this earth. But Cody never had a kid he did not want. That does it for this episode. I'll be back next week with the next episode of My Sister Wives Rewatch, Season 3, Episode 12, Sister's Special Delivery, where Saul comes into the world with the most silent birth in history. To my YouTube viewers, please like, subscribe, and let me know your thoughts in the comments section if you like. To my podcast listeners, please don't forget to follow this podcast 
and rate this podcast with all the stars. Thanks for listening. I'll see you soon. Bye.